Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks so much for joining me. As always, really appreciate it. This week, we're kind of diving into to the Halloween world, and uh, I brought you kind of a, I don't know, I don't want to say a spooky episode, because what you're going to find is just not all that spooky at all, uh, but a topic that does seem a little a little spooky, a little macabre, um, in, in her own words, I'm speaking with Rocky Degati. Now, Rocky is someone who, I guess, kind of dabbles in, in all things a little spooky. Um, she used to be a member of a ghost hunting team that uh, got pretty famous on TV. Uh, she was a member before uh, before they had their big break on TV. Uh, she's a a bit of a, a historian when it comes to cemeteries. She's going to talk a little bit about that. But the highlight and what we're going to talk a lot about is her jewelry making. Now, what makes her jewelry making quite different than any others is uh, she makes jewelry out of human bones. Now, some people are probably listening to that and thinking, what? That's insane. That's crazy. How can she do that? She even says that a few times in here that she's had people like, how could you? Well, I do think you're going to hear Rocky and and uh, kind of understand a little bit more. I don't, I'm not telling you you're going to go out and buy you know, a piece tomorrow. Maybe you are, but I think you're going to understand it. It, it is an art form. Um, it is something that she does uh, with artistic expression. I will uh, I'll be a spoiler alert right now. The bones are something that she acquires completely legally, completely in a, in a boring way, kind of from a, a medical supplier. Uh, we're going to talk exactly how that uh, how that happens, but you know she's uh, she's completely ethical about it, and uh, it's uh, it's a really interesting thing for sure. I do think you're going to enjoy hearing from her. Without further ado, here is Rocky Degatti. I'm here today with Rocky Degatti. Rocky, how are you? I'm well, thanks. And yourself? I'm doing well. Thanks for joining me. Appreciate it very much. I want to kind of just, I always like to just let people introduce themselves. Obviously, I've got quite a few questions and some very interesting things that you do, but introduce yourself before we kind of get to that. Well, I am Rocky Zagati. I am a native of Bristol, Rhode Island. I currently reside in Mulligan, New Jersey. I am 54 years old. Yes, I tell people my age. And among other things, I am a musician. I'm a fine artist. I'm a jewelry artist. I am a cemetery conservator. And I make jewelry out of human bones. Mm, yeah, I'm, I, I want to get to get to that last one here in, in a bit, because I'm <laughs> sure that's the one that people are going to be the most interested in. But I do want to talk about the cemetery part. You In your email, you talked about how you know a lot about historical cemeteries and just the Indeed. history behind that. I don't even really know what to ask you about that. Just tell tell us what you know about that. Well, the, the first thing, and, and if your listeners want to actually like see, see a face with the name, I can be found at my website, darkerartstudio.com. Because um, the thing is, is when you tell somebody you make human bone jewelry and you're into cemeteries, the first thing that they're picturing, I'm just going to say, is not me. <laughs> I think there, there might be some stereotypical concept of what I should look like. And that's a no. I'm a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I grew up in a very historical area. Bristol, Rhode Island was settled in 1680. And it is a beautiful town. Uh, and it's a peninsula in Narragansett Bay. And it is full of historic cemeteries. Unfortunately, the actual, like, I think the seminal event that got me interested in cemeteries and cemetery history and preservation was when I was very young. I was bullied. I was bullied because you can take pick your pick. I wore glasses. I was the fat kid. Uh, red hair. Add, add it up. It got ugly. And for some reason, the bullies would not go into the cemetery, and that was on my way home, uh, walking home from school. Mm-hmm. So I used to go into the cemeteries and hide out, basically, and then they would wait for me at the gate. And I'd sometimes get stuck in there for a really long time. Now, I know that sounds an awful tragedy. I, I, I feel terrible for anyone who has been bullied because I've experienced 
against it. But, you know, all right, so I'm in there seeking asylum. And while I'm in there, I'm looking at the gravestones, you know, and I'm seeing all the skulls. I'm seeing all the winged skulls because old New England gravestones have some very uh, unusual primitive art. They're fantastic. And this particular uh, graveyard is, is really fascinating in itself. So I'm looking through and I see names like uh, Bradford, uh, Reynolds, and these are all the names of the schools that I had attended. Those are all the grammar schools that are in and around that area. Mm. So I went home and I started asking my dad questions. My dad uh, is a retired art teacher. And I started asking him questions. And I started saying, you know, well, who's this and what's that? Why is it the same as my school? And, and his whole answer to everything from the first question I think I ever articulated to the last one I asked him before he passed was, look it up. So I started looking things up. Of course, this is, uh, I mentioned my age. This is in the 70s, so you don't have the Google and all of the other of the other good stuff. So I'm going to the library. I'm going to the town hall. Uh, my dad was a local politician. The people in the town hall knew me, and they were delightfully indulgent. And um, I started, you know, getting information. And then I started volunteering when I got a little older. And... It just went on from there. It became something that brought me great satisfaction because every stone is a story. And I found that fascinating because the name on my school and the name on the stone, and then I read the story of who he was, and then it all brings it together. And it actually personalized it for me. Yeah. So what, I mean, what it's, I guess, how have you taken that from a kid kind of being ran into the cemetery to, to now and, and the work that you do. You said that you, you work in preservation. So what do you do now with cemeteries? Um, I work with, I've uh, done many things over the years, uh, grant writing, mm. volunteer efforts. Um, I support and, and I'm a member of several historical cemetery societies. Anything you can do to raise awareness, to help preserve the history and the stones, Whatever one can do to, because I do believe that if we are, we forget our history, we're doomed to repeat it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hear that for sure. And I, I wonder, I'm sure you can answer this. Obviously you're working in preserving cemeteries. There's so many old ones, even here in Indiana that sure it's like, you know, six or seven stones that are almost fallen over. What, what happens if these don't get preserved? Is it eventually just Somebody pulls up the stones and no one even knows it's a cemetery, and then it, somebody puts their house on it? It, it has happened. Um, one of the things I, I, that is, I think the, the, everybody says, well, what about vandalism? And vandalism is a problem. Mm -hmm. But um, Mother Nature is the worst vandal. Mm -hmm. When stones topple over, if they're not righted, if they're not correctly reset, and if it's not done by a professional, you know, if it's not done properly, they will either re-break, re-fall, and when they stay there for prolonged times, they literally will get consumed by the ground. By how many times have you seen, you know, either in live or in the pictures, um, a tree wrapping itself around a stone that it grew, grew around or near? Mm -hmm. So you know, nature will reclaim it. But uh, it's it's important, I think, to to preserve it. Like you said, it's, there's there's veterans. There's uh, everybody has, I think, deserves that measure of dignity and remembrance. And then people are going to say, well, on top of that, so then you do this weird thing where you make bone jewelry. So if you're so so into remembering the dead, you weirdo, because I get you weirdo a lot. Um, and and I'm, I'm kind of okay with it. I sort of, uh, first of all, ethically sourced human bones. And that's, that's a big thing. The cemetery uh, work that I do and the bone jewelry work are completely separate. <laughs> You, uh, well, I'm glad you don't you don't cross them over. There's not some gray robin going on too. Absolutely not. Actually, that's something that I find unconscionable. Oh, for sure. I find any type of cemetery. I, I cemeteries have always been a place of asylum, refuge, peace, remembrance. I am the proud daughter of a U.S. Air Force veteran. I have a lot of uh, service members in my family. I have a lot of people uh, in and around where I grew up that were. Uh, keynote to to making history and, and and everything from the American Revolution to civil rights. So their resting places are sacrosanct. In my, every single one of them, whether it's somebody's Aunt Sally or whether it's Governor William Bradford. Absolutely. Same respect. 
for sure. And I, I want to kind of get to, um, I want to ask you about your podcast too. Before we get to that, you've already kind of highlighted cemeteries. We're, we're going to get to the bone jewelry. Your podcast deals with kind of the, the dark side of things, maybe the spooky side of things. I don't know whether you've already answered it because of, you know, just getting into the, the cemeteries as a, as a kid, but what, what is kind of driven your passion for things that are just spooky a little, and bit, weird. Little, little bit more spooky. Yeah. Why am I so dark? <laughs> well, it's funny. Um, I think one of the, the things is, is that I enjoy things. I have a curious nature and I think that we can find the answers to a lot of things. But there are a lot of things we don't have the answers to. And when you look into that, it can either be a calculus test, because I don't have those answers. Um, Or you can look into some of the more mysterious unknown. Growing up in the 70s, I watched a show called In Search Of. It was hosted by Leonard Nimoy. Hmm. And it was uh, a popular show I used to watch with my dad. And some of the uh, types of things that they would cover were things like searching for Noah's Ark, uh, the... um, Shroud of Turin, a lot of different, you know, unusual, mysterious, unexplained things. And I, and for some reason, and I'd love to know where this went, uh, as a kid, huge, huge thing with the Bermuda Triangle. We were terrified of it. Absolutely terrified. Now, there was always like these reports that this plane was lost and, and this boat went on and this boat, somebody just flew toward, and then, you know, a friend of a friend. This is before we knew the term urban legend. But, you know, and, and I love the word FOF, F-O-A-F, and that stands for friend of a friend. Um, there was a lot of FOF stories that where, you know, people were say, well, you know, we were flying to, to, to you know, the Virgin Islands. And, we, you know, the tip of the plane, you know, that side of the plane got, kind of touched the triangle. We went at the tri- you know, Everybody had some crazy story about either someone they knew or whatever, having something to do with some sort of weirdness of the Bermuda Triangle. And by 1985, we never heard about it again. So I'd love to know where the Bermuda Triangle went. Yeah, I, it's you know? still there. I, uh, I, I flew through it one time and, and the pilot did say, we just went through the Bermuda Triangle and I lived to tell the tale. So I think, I think it's going to be all right. Yeah. I think, honestly, I think it's just because has, nothing's happened in that area for so long. People are just right? over it. We're, we're bored with that. Right. Well, I think I think we're a highly highly overstimulated culture now. That's yeah. why we're all so sensitive and everybody's so eeky. But yeah, I, I've always loved a good mystery, and I've always loved the unexplained. And um, when I was in my thirties, uh, I uh, joined a paranormal investigation group in Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. And at the time, it was a couple of guys. We were plumbers by day and, uh, and, and you know, a, a handful of us and they were just all we were just, you know, talking about learning how to investigate. And they had they had the experience that was me learning from them, I should say. And, you know, we, we discovered stuff along the way. But I went on investigations with this paranormal group. And one of the last things I recall before I moved for work was they said, hey, we're going to get a TV show. We're talking to the TV people and we're going to get a TV show. And I said, oh, that's great. And I said to myself, nobody wants to see this. Mm. Well, <laughs> it's an industry now. Industry. Well, suffice it to say, being a couple of plumbers from Rhode Island, uh, I'm talking about uh, Jason and Grant from the original Ghost Hunter series. I was a member of TAPS before it was on TV. Mm. And uh, I actually recently saw Jay and uh, Steve Gonsalves, who I hadn't seen in about, oh, I don't know, 20 years, and uh, at, a, at a para conference. And uh, it was wonderful to see them. They're terrific guys. They're really cool kids. And it was great to see them. But yeah, I, I, so I, I investigated stuff with them. I do a lot of uh, historical research investigation on my own. That's actually my favorite part of it. Um, it gets what you see on TV. Uh, you're seeing it edited down into something, you know, exciting and palpable in what is it, 30 to 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. What happens on an actual investigation is you're there for eight hours in the dark, and it's usually, you know, drafty, cold, or, or it's sweaty hot. And, you know, I did not have a lot of experiences 
that I can recall on actual investigations. Anything I've caught that is paranormal or unexplained, either on film or on camera, typically happened uh, by accident, mm. which I think actually makes it more organic. But I've, I've had some interesting investigations. I have a good friend down in Louisiana, Kalila Smith from the uh, Haunted History uh, Empire down there. She and I did an investigation in, in an old theater. And we kind of we kind of got some really cool stuff uh, on the film, I think. Um you know, it was an old speakeasy once. So I see. I get wrapped up in the history of it. Mm. If there's if there's somebody haunting, do I believe in ghosts? Yes, I do. I have personally experienced things that I can't explain. That there is no other, and and it was and and that were other people were present. Where you know you could say, did you just see that? You saw that, right? You know, mm. and and there. It's, I I do have a belief. But I want to know more. I want to communicate. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very curious about all those things. Yeah. So in all of this time working with the people pre-TV, going to Louisiana, do you have – and you said that you know that you believe in ghosts Absolutely. because of the experiences that you've had. Do you have any any story that you that you can quickly share that maybe solidifies that? Uh, yeah. I was um... – in the, I think it was called the State Theater. It was formerly on Canal Street in New Orleans, Louisiana, and it has since been um, destroyed. And it, uh, it, or condemned or torn down or whatever. It's an absolutely beautiful theater, and the place had a really funky vibe. And I walked out into it's what I call an old proscenium stage, the U-shaped stage that you might see in an old theater. And if you were on the stage looking out, like from the actor's perspective, you would see the, the, the front orchestra section, the, and then there was a balcony. And I walked out onto the stage, and it's, of course it's dark in, the, in the, most of the theater, but we do have some light. And I looked up, and I could have sworn I saw somebody sitting in the, two or three people sitting in the balcony. And I looked back, and I looked back up, and they were still there. And my friend had come out, and she's like, I see him too. I didn't say a word, so something was there. Yeah, I mean, I've talked to I, this. This is obviously not a paranormal podcast, but I've talked to several several people in that in that world, and I always say, just everyone everyone has to make their own own judgments with that. The one thing I like that that you you talked about because other people, frankly, that I've talked to aren't as uh, aren't as optimistic about these shows is that you you. At least I think that you're saying that it's relatively accurate, at least the show that you're talking about, because some of the people I've talked to says it's it's TV for a reason. Well, I've been on investigations uh, in, in particular. If you want to talk about the TV people and I, mean, I have been on investigations with Jason Oz and his approach is open minded. He's what I call, uh, at least I think he said he, he calls himself, I'm trying to remember his exact words, I don't want to misquote him, but something of um, a skeptical believer, I think is what he calls himself. So he's always looking, he looks for answers. He is looking for answers. Do they, in, in the method, the method is solid. The aim is true. Um, is the presentation probably a little more glammed? Maybe. Mm -hmm. You know. I, but I, I, I mean, I, I think you know. It's, it's, I mean, and I'm sure it's edited for maximum dramatic effect. But the, but the essence is there. When I, I I actually didn't watch the show very much. Not a huge TV watcher, but mm. you know, I um I did. I have seen it since. Obviously, it's been on now for I don't know a long time. And mm. um and looking at it now, I mean, it, I see modern stuff that they've done, and the, the same method is there. It's a, it's a, the method of we're going to try to communicate. We're going to try to use devices. Um, different shows will focus on tech. There's a lot of tech that is coming out. People are using, like, you know, they're, they're, I think it's very creative the way they repurpose a lot of things. I, I don't watch the shows. So I don't really have much, much really to, to know about that. I just always, I, I, I always worry about the reality shows. Our mutual friend, Dwayne Scott Sierney, told me about, how you know with storage wars he's actually been asked to stage some of these storage containers which just blew my mind so almost all these reality shows i always just worry like how real is this glad to hear that at least in your experience 
from my perspective, yes. From your perspective, Absolutely. Yeah. I, mean, I see the same. Like I said, the toys are cooler now, way cooler. Yeah. You know, right. you know, there is there's different uh, devices and stuff. So you know, and and to bring it kind of kind of into perspective as far as as talking about my my odd life or or my weirdness, as it were, is um. You know, I don't get bones from the cemetery. I do have human bones in my house at any given time. And the thing is, is everybody's like, well, you know, don't, isn't that bad juju? Great. I think the best example of how people sometimes can perceive my work was I was at a horror convention in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. I do uh, the horror con, the Monster Mania Net. Um, I do that twice a year in August and in March. And it's coming up in mid-March of 2023. So I, I'm there, and this guy looks at my table and looks at me and looks at my table. Of course, there's signs. Imperial human bone jewelry. And he goes, you want poltergeists? Because that's how you get poltergeists. Mm. So, you know. And actually, I had a woman in a Dexter t-shirt. If you've ever seen that show or heard of its content. Yeah. This will be interesting. And she looks at me and she goes, that's a little sick, don't you think? I'm like, <laughs> hello, you're wearing a Dexter t-shirt. You're at a horror convention. But it is, um, you know, people say, well, do you cleanse the bones? I do not. Um, spiritually, I do not identify as uh, Wiccan or Pagan. I do not identify as any organized religion. I definitely have a spiritual side. So I consider myself, for lack of a better term, sort of a universalist. I respect everyone's beliefs. <clears throat> if you're going to celebrate them, especially with food, please invite me. I will join. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm I'm all for it. But uh, I can look at it two ways, and to be respectful of the people who ask about the cleansing of the bones and everything. As an artist, I think every artist has inspiration, and you can call it inspiration, you can call it artistic impression, your creativity, whatever it is. It comes from someplace, you know, within you and from without you. From where where your where your your impressions, and I think while you're working with bones, I I use human bones. People use animal bones. I think that when you're creating something, you're reinventing it. When I'm making a piece, I'm looking at the piece and I'm trying to elevate it, reinvent it, and and do something unusual with it. And I think throughout that process, if you're someone who would be concerned about bad karma and everything. I'm elevating it. I'm, 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 it's a very positive process. Also, human bones are porous. For uh, exposed bone, if it uh, is against your skin, after a while, if you wear it all the time, what it does is it picks up your skin oils. It gets a patina that's going to be unique to you. So if your bone has bad juju, that might be your fault. Mm. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, I want to. I want to. I've held you back on this on this bone topic long enough. We can start talking <laughs> about that. Absolutely. I, I want to. Uh, I just start at the beginning and say how how did you get in involved in this? I don't think that you know. I've talked. I, I guess I haven't talked to any, but there's a lot of jewelry makers out there. But the, I don't think there's a ton of what you do. So what made you get into this? There are a handful of people who do work with uh, human bones. Um, there's a fellow up and I think he's in New Hampshire with the Scrimshaw, very, very exciting artist. Um, so there's, there's some of it, you know, I am not the, the lone kook out here, <laughs> but there, the, the thing with bones for me is in addition to the, you know, having this, so let's look at the setup. We've got the cemetery asylum, the cemetery enthusiast, the quest for all things unknown. The paranormal investigator is this really such a big leap, <laughs> yeah. you know? And um, one of the things I've always found interesting is the imagery on the stones. I love the winged skulls. There's a lot of a lot of stuff like that. And I've always thought that skulls and skeletons and things like that were all. It's the most egalitarian representation guy because it's stripped of everything. It's a skeleton. It's who we all are at the base. It has no color. It is not sizest. It is not chubby. It is not skinny. It is a skeleton. Mm. Once you take it all off, it's not wearing designer clothes. It's not, you know, it is the most egalitarian representation of the human condition, I think. It's who we all are underneath. So, I and I love that. And I like, I just aesthetically like them, but I spiritually feel that, it's it's connecting us. It's very grounding, I think. So 
you know, I, I always try to, like I said, elevate things. And some bones, to me, are, for example, cervical vertebra. Uh, it's, I find my signature pieces uh, that, that I wear is a human cervical vertebra, C3 to be exact. And it, I think they're beautiful. If you see one isolated, and folks can, can look on the website. I don't mean to be too much of a barker, but they can go to darkerartstudio.com because they got to wonder what this stuff looks like. And, um, and you see vertebra pieces. They, human vertebra are intricate. There are parts of them that are very, very delicate. If you've ever injured your neck, you know just exactly how delicate they can be. Um, and there are nuances to, to some of the other bones I use. Carpal bones. You have uh, all these carpal bones in your wrist, and they're all different shapes and sizes. It's, 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 it's fascinating. I work in the medical field. Uh, I'm a retired uh, 911 ambulance uh, EMT. And uh, I do I, I do have I wouldn't say a taste for for I'm not a trauma queen, as it were, <laughs> as they call it, you know, she's a trauma queen. But I do have an appreciation for the fragility and the resilience of human form. So, uh, you know, we've already talked about where you don't get them and that it's a completely ethical process. But where where do you acquire something like this? Well, my favorite thing to say at conventions is to point to one of the pieces and kind of like shift the eye and go, that's the last guy that is. <laughs> However, especially when it's, a, when it's a patella, being that my name ends in a vowel, you always want a Sicilian woman telling you she's got a kneecap for you. Mm. And I you know, don't, you know, don't, don't write him letters. I'm the one who said it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I get them from, from – there are a number of sources. Uh, there are osteological specimen warehouses. There, there are catalogs. There are things that are are, are very easily obtainable uh, online, and in you know, in, there are also bone brokers. And if folks are interested in the whole bone brokerage thing, there are brokers and collectors that have amassed amazing collections and that buy and sell. You can find them on social media. You can find them at horror conventions because they will set up a booth and, and sell out beautiful stuff. And one of the fellows that I deal with has probably I, – I can't even – I wouldn't even begin to, to to imagine how much stuff he has. But he has everything from real shrunken heads to several full skeletons to any – he's even got stuff that's very similar to what was uh, done in the body exhibit. He's got antiques. I mean so the – and once people find out you have that stuff and that you'll sell that stuff, you start to make more contacts, and, and I know Dwayne went into this in, in, in some of his books, uh, in both of his books, is how it starts – once people figure out you buy and sell, they're interested. Anybody who's interested in what you're buying and selling, they'll tell two friends, and they'll tell two friends, and so on. So you know, it gets – the word gets out. Oh, you know, you, have a, you ever seen so-and-so? He's got a lot of bones. So I find out who so-and-so is, and I shoot him a message. You know, um, where do you get your stuff? Let me see what you got. And I do not deal uh, for my jewelry or, or anything. I don't deal with anybody typically, but osteological suppliers, because that's that's all. Yeah, but I'm always curious about people's collections. I always want to see what people have. You can go on to um, not eBay, not Etsy, because they 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 do not. But if you go on to some of these other antique and uh, websites, um, the Odd Fellows organization. The fraternal organization that's that's nationwide. Um, there was I'm, a, I'm I don't know an odd, any odd fellows currently. So if someone's an odd fellow and they want to reach out to me and tell me what the, what the current deal is, but at one time, as part of the initiation and some of their rituals and rites, people would will their body to the lodge. Most lodges had a coffin with a full skeleton. And well, that, those I mean, that, are, they, you can buy the whole thing. Yeah, and that's that. That's kind of where I'm. I'm wondering. Obviously, you get them from a, you know, ethical source. You get them from, you know, uh, sounds like kind of a more medical source. But all of these bones obviously came from a live person at some point. I'm just wondering how it's. A, how do they get? From how, yeah, it, is it all you know people that are donating their body to science or? I, I just wonder where it's all coming from. Is it antique bones? Is it people, sometimes, you know, in uh, the one that I would hate to uh, hate and hopefully you can kind of say that it's not is, you know, I'm just thinking about like, 
wigs and people in bad situations in other countries that are donating their hair for these, you know, real hair wigs. Hopefully, how are these how are live people giving their bones when they die? Well, live people give their bodies every day. One of the the best treatises I've ever read on this is a book by uh, New York Times writer Mary Roach. And the book is called Stiff, The Curious Lives of Human Cadavers. Mm. And it goes into several stories. And, and if folks are curious, they should definitely check it out on to what can happen. Now, we all know about organ donation. But, you know, when you donate your whole body to science, there's a lot of things that it can it can happen. And, and does anybody have a specific say in it? I don't know state to state how that works. I I have uh, very much uh, offered my body to science. It's pretty much a you know kind of a scary science experiment already. So I you know I people do that. You could end up being um, at the cadaver farm to help train uh, search dogs. You could end up being used in ballistics testing, maybe to reinvent uh, Kevlar for for the military and public safety. There's a lot of things because my personal spiritual beliefs, once this is gone, I'm not going to need it. I'm not going to need it at all. And if there's some way, it can help somebody. Now, how do the bones get to me from somebody who donates? Typically, they can become, uh, you know, medical schools have skeletons. And for years, I've had skeletons in them. Many of the bones I get have uh, India ink script on them that'll have either the Latin name or the number of the bone. So these are all disarticulated from teaching skeleton. And um, when, you know, so someone may donate their body to science, that skeleton may be used for any number of, you know, years, typically decades. And I sometimes get antique bones because they'll have the patina on them. You can tell they've been around a while. But they come from uh, retired medical specimens that were teaching specimens, in my case. I can't speak for anybody else's bones. I can only speak for the bones I use in my jewelry and the ones I'm still currently using inside me. <laughs> that may, that makes sense for that. That that clears that up. Uh, and I think it also clears up the question on like when you get them, is it are you just ordering, you know, this vertebrae or the finger or are you having to do some deconstruction to get what you want or or how's that, um, that look like? Thankfully, I don't don't have to do too much deconstruction. When you hear me say articulated or disarticulated, if you can picture a medical model made of human bones, like a, a skeleton hand, articulated means it's it's um, been wired to be in one piece. So you can take it and you can bend it. And it's been anatomically wired with thin wire so that folks can see with wires and pins and, and folks can see how it works. Part of the idea of what struck me with the idea for jewelry was I was in a medical classroom and saw this, and I saw that one of the wires had come out, and the uh, it was a, a, a metacarpal bone, which is the long bone on the top of your hand, and I noticed it had a, a, a hole through it. It was drilled through where it had been wired to articulate it, and I was like, that would make one badass pendant. That'd be really cool. And then I think I said it out loud, and one of my classmates was like, you are so strange. I was like, well, yeah, but it's beautiful. The bones are gorgeous. And then I'm sitting there going, all right, you got a shushy now because now everybody's just going to wonder if you can put it in your pocket. Now, I did not, and I do not. Like I said, I've, the ethics of it, it may seem strange to some, and I've had some people just like, how could you? How could you? And I realize it may be appalling to some, and my, my work is not for everybody. But I feel that I'm trying to elevate and illustrate the beauty of bones. Yeah. And by doing so, I respectfully acquire them through very legal means. I do not sell them or I can't sell them. There are three states in the United States. I cannot do trade and I do not do trade. And, you know, and, because two states have their own laws. Two states are uh, Georgia and Tennessee. You cannot bring bones or ship bones in or out with the exception of museums, teaching institutions, and um, obviously when people are, you know, cremated overseas or whatever. But as far as human remains, they cannot be bought and sold over state lines. Yeah. Louisiana, no. All no, all the time. No in, no out, no own, no nothing. Because obviously if you find a, if you have a bone in Georgia, 
that you got in Georgia and you're staying in Georgia, you can perfectly legally own that. Mm-hmm. And you can sell it to your neighbor. Yeah, I think but, Louisiana just is worried about a lot of a lot of haunted type things, so they're just not wanting to mess with any of that. I'm surprised. Well, I'm some kind crazy of crazy cases down there too, you know, yeah. where people have done grave robbing. I think it's interesting too the the Tennessee part. You said teaching institutions, so that's a that's you know how how it works. But I'm sure they have a ton of bones coming in. Isn't that where one of the huge Knoxville? Isn't that where one of the huge body farms is? Right. That that's that's teaching and academic. They're talking right. about buying and selling. Right. Right. And obviously, if someone is is local to Tennessee and expires elsewhere and has their body shipped home, that those are all exceptions. Right. There's a museum in Louisiana that there are museums and medical schools all over Louisiana with real skeletons because they're museums and medical schools. So there Louisiana, are is Louisiana able to? Because I thought you said nothing with Louisiana, but no, do they have no, exceptions? Outside of uh, the exception is always uh, teaching and, gotcha. and museums. But as far as your private citizens... Louisiana is the only state of the 50 where a private citizen under no circumstances may possess, sell, trade, or harvest or any obtain human bones. You can't ship them in. You can't have them on the, on the common uh, – for the common market. And like I said, in Georgia and Tennessee, you can have them and you can sell them just within the state. I got gotcha. you. All right. That, that, that makes sense. I, I think even if you weren't already, which you were in the medical field, so you probably – probably already were, um, but I'm sure you would ace a anatomy and physiology class at this point. Do you know every, every bone in the, in the body at this point? Pretty much. I have to tell you the, the fancy Latin names have uh, occasionally, I'm really good at jeopardy on this. Yeah. Very good at jeopardy. Nobody touches me on jeopardy, yeah. but with the, with the whole anatomy and bones, I did very well in AMP years and years ago when I took it. Um, and yeah, I'm actually pretty good. I have, uh, occasionally had people say, well, you know, I got this bone. What is it? And playing guess that bone is always fun. Cause with, yeah. with me, I, I, I can't, it's really not that ambiguous because I'm ordering them by part. Right. So, but sometimes someone will say, Hey, you know, my friend had a skeleton because people will say, you know, I don't know where they get this stuff and I don't always ask and I don't. I don't involve myself in, in any of the commerce with it, but some folks will be like, Oh, well, what is this? And every once in a while, I'll see something weird, like an elbow mm-hmm. and your elbow itself, obviously isn't a bull bone, but uh, it's, it's the end of your, your, your humorous, humorous and, and your, your arm bones. But you know, in fact, that bit that sticks out is called a medial epicondyle. Mm. Try that in Scrabble. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How often does, because uh, we're talking about people that, look at this as as something other than cool but how often do you because you go to a lot of conventions and i feel like just because it's such an interesting thing and it takes people i think just a little time to settle into exactly what is going on how often does on friday people come by and like oh my gosh this is so weird like and by sunday they've made a purchase um that has happened yeah one of the, I think part of it is, uh, hopefully it's relatively obvious that I'm approachable, jovial, knowledgeable, and it, there's nothing shady going on. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the first thing people wonder was, oh my God, she killed people. Absolutely not. There's a page on my, on my website, there's an FAQ, and it basically says like, what kind of, what are you, a criminal? No, <laughs> I'm an artist. Yeah. But, um, you know, and, and I think. Especially when it's people who go to the convention all three days, like the first time day they see me, they're, they're, they're going to be in shock. Mm-hmm. And, and they'll smile. And I'm, I try, I really don't, I don't try to scare anyone or put off. I want you to see something beautiful and interesting just like I do. So I'm going to try to present that to you in a way that you're comfortable with and you might be receptive. And it's not, you know, it's not a hard sell. It's not that kind of thing. It's just like, you know, because I'll see people go, oh, oh, oh. And I'll, I'll pick up a piece and I'll go, you want to know what's really interesting about this? And they're like, kind of still looking at me sideways. And I'll say, feel how light it is. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, you wouldn't believe how much this way. Usually there's a friend who's more brave and goes, I'll feel it. you know. Yeah. And then when the friend goes and sticks their hand out and they go, wow. Because most of the bones, even like cervical vertebrae, they weigh almost nothing. When, once they're you know old and, 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 and singled out, there's not much to them. And, and they're like, wow, really? And, of course, if the friend's doing it and they didn't crumple them to dust, then they'll try it. 
-hmm. And then I'll see them maybe the next day or a little later on with with another round. And they'll be like, you know, wow, you, you sold some pieces. And I'll be like, yeah, well, you know, it, it's, it, it's very popular. The vertebrae are big this season or something, you know. And we'll start talking about that. And then the last time, it was like, you know, I really think this is cool. And I will I have some pieces that are set in resin. I said, look, if you feel a little creepy having it against your skin, get a resin piece. You'll never have to start another conversation again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's funny. I, uh, I just wonder on, you know, the flip side of people – Ne- that never really understand it. What's some of the worst pushback you've gotten, whether it's conventions telling you, nah, I'm not, we're not doing that, or whether it's just people that's just completely lost it? H- have you had any major pushback? Um, there are a couple of shows that uh, I don't think uh, are comfortable with it. There's a, and, and they'll tell you. I've had, I had a show that just said that the board was just kind of really freaked out by this. Okay, you know, and again, it's not for me to 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 push it on anybody, because for every venue that might say mm, I don't think so, there's another venue that goes this is awesome, and all it is is, is you just got to wind your way and ferreting out those. Personally, um, my mom thinks I'm weird. <laughs> she's 94 years old, and she'll be so happy I announced that. Um, she's 94 years old, and she says, you know, I think that's really strange. <laughs> she just tells me, I think that's really strange. You've always been weird, but I think that's really strange. People that's buy strange. that? I'm like, yeah. And, and that's the funny thing. The bulk of my clientele, again, a lot of people might be assuming, making assumptions on what I would look like and making assumptions of who buys my stuff. A little bit of everybody exactly some of the stereotypical people you might think but what's kind of interesting is the i have a huge following that's academic and medical because hmm. what do you get the ortho that has everything yeah. you know I've, I've designed christmas gifts for for physicians and physical therapists and and things like that so there's there's a there's a great uh, and, and I've, i have people that have worked at natural history museums so there's there's a lot of crossover into the academic and medical. I was featured um, one of the largest medical schools in my area is the Cooper or Rowan Medical School at Cooper, and uh, I'm a I, I work uh, within that uh, health system, and I was uh, honored by being featured in their Arts and Humanities uh, annual magazine, one of my vertebrae pieces. So mm-hmm. the medical community, at least in in, in my local area and, and the folks that I've spoken with, they love it. Mm. They appreciate it. They see bones as being beautiful and, and that kind of thing. Yes, I get the occasional person that just gives me either a how could you, you're twisted, or, you know, whatever. And it, when it's at a horror convention, I mean, it's sort of like, okay, I'm crazy, but you're at a horror convention. Okay, come on. Right. Right. And I think in general my personality is disarming. I don't think that I'm someone that is – is likely to 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 scare people i don't think do you find me frightening uh, you know if i did that would be uh, something i would tell somebody i'm afraid of, right? yeah uh, and, you know i i i, no. I just like i said i kind of get the feeling that i'm sort of like this this broad-faced goofy you know I, i'm i'm completely disarming i, I don't no. i don't i want people to enjoy the art i i think of it as people say why do you glorify death I said, but doesn't it make you appreciate life? Yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, I'm. I mean, I've spoken with several people, not not obviously in in this world, but people that you know were morticians and now sure. write write about food and and death. There's a huge thing with that. There's so much culture when it comes to death and food. So I think there's a lot of times, even with funerals, we're, we do. I don't know about glorify death, but it is something that we hold sacred. So I don't really see how that's a huge stretch now to have that piece. Um, that seems like it's more of, of honoring it rather than anything else. It is like, my intention. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing that I, I guess I want to ask, and, and I always like to kind of just break down when people don't know, I guarantee you not very many people know 
how much a bone cost. You know, I talk about books all the time. People know, people know how much, if I say, go buy this book, they know about what they're going to be spending. Let's kind of break down that. How much does bone jewelry cost people? Well, I have pieces that start out at about 40 and go up to, I think my highest piece that I sold, you know, openly that wasn't a custom piece because people request all kinds of things. Yeah. Um, I think my highest piece was uh, 125, 150. So it's not ridiculously expensive. No. It's obtainable. And the reason is, could I, could I make a higher margin because it's a niche market? Of course I could. Mm. I want people to have it. I have struck deals at conventions <laughs> because I have seen somebody look at it, love it. I watch them fall in love with it. And if it's a matter of a couple of dollars here and there, I, I have, I've had some younger people that were like, oh, I wish I could get that. And they were like maybe you know five or ten bucks short. I want them to have it. I will sell it to them because that's going to be something that they're going to appreciate. When I see that true appreciation, you know, I, I always want to want people to have it. So now everybody's going to try to undercut me, but okay. No. <laughs> I can tell, by the way, if you really love it, if you're just looking for a bag and that's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like that. I, uh, no, I, I think that's, that's really cool. Let's, let's move into your, your podcast. Let's so it's not about, you know, ponies and unicorns. Surprise, surprise. What's the podcast about? It is the macabre world, AKA the darker arts radio hour. Um, I talk to people. Well, a lot of it is, is like yourself. I like an unusual story. I like a great character. We both, uh, we found each other because we both uh, have had uh, Wayne, a uh, Dwayne rather. Oh God, he's gonna kill me. Dwayne Scott Cerny. <laughs> there, Dwayne. I said your whole name correctly. Um, on as a as a uh, a podcast guest for selling dead people's things and and the Ditch Confidential, and you know there's an interesting guy and there's always an angle. There's a dark angle to just about everything. There really is. Um, I have had uh, the pleasure of talking to folks from. The TV show Paranormal Cloud on camera. I talked to Dan Sturgis, who was uh, a very lively, lively guest, also a big Beatles fan. Um, you know, <laughs> you find things out about that. I've talked to psychic mediums. I talked to a gentleman, uh, Bob Ginsburg, who runs a foundation that vets psychic mediums, and and has and he has some very interesting opinions. And he's somebody who came from outside of the of the, the metaphysical realm. He was a very practical guy. And his story was very interesting to find out how he went from being, you know, practical Bob to somebody who decided that they were gonna, you know, get into something where they were going to um, try to help people find people who legitimately have those kinds of talents. And I thought that his process was very interesting. I talked to uh, a cannibal killer in France, Nico Clo, the vampire of Paris. And and he was an incredibly engaging guest. It really was. I would I would say so. That's that's interesting. What did you said? What did you say? Vampire killer? What did you say? He's known as the Vampire of Paris. He has a self-professed uh, cannibal, and he has been convicted and served time, and is now out for a murder charge. So there is a lot to, to unpack there. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. That's that. So. You, that that's that's very interesting so i if people are listening to the podcast you 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 cover a wide variety it's always hard this is a hard question for me to answer if anyone ever asked but if people want to check it out what can they expect like what what kind of topics are we going to talk about or is it really just a wide variety that's certainly what this one is there's there's more variety i think then then you'd be surprised uh, I, I have an episode that that's dropping i'm not sure when this is going to air but it's dropping soon that uh, I speak to a gentleman named uh, Terry Rich, who is the former head of the Iowa State Lottery. Hmm. And his, his uh, book called The $80 Billion Gamble, uh, which he co-wrote with another fella, is about how Bigfoot, a hot dog, uh, cracked the largest lottery scam in the United States. Hmm. Now, is that truly macabre? I guess by the standard definition, maybe not so much, but it's definitely unusual. I always say we talk about the strange, the unusual. That's unusual. Let's blame Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> Slightly unusual. Yeah, I'd say so. so I'm still, it. by the way, jury's still out on Bigfoot as far as I'm concerned. 
Yeah. Well, that's that's a whole other topic. I'm sure that we we could discuss in in detail. But I want you to remind people how they can find this podcast, how they can find the the bone jewelry, find all things all things Rocky. All things Rocky can be found at the one place www.darkerartsstudio.com. It's yeah. Darker Arts Studio and the A R T S S T. So the two S's are together. Darkerartsstudio.com. There is a link to a page where you can uh, listen to the podcast. You can sign up to subscribe. There is an online store for any current pieces. There's links to get in touch with me to find out if I can do a custom piece for you. I do a lot of commercial art as well for bands. I've done beer labels. So I, there's some of my work is on there. And, of course, there's an FAQ so you can actually see what I'm all about. Yeah, well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Definitely a, a unique conversation, and I really, really appreciate your time. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I appreciate it. And happy Halloween. <laughs> so that was Rocky Degatti. Enjoyed speaking with her immensely. Learned a ton about just a lot of different areas. She's a wealth of information. I do think, you know, I kidded with her about, uh, you know, being scary or being approachable. Definitely a, a very warm, approachable person. And I think it makes what she does just a little bit, a uh, little easier to digest for some people who, who may be a little uneasy. I hope you listened uh, maybe in the very beginning that you thought, ooh. I'm not sure about all this. What have you gotten us into, Jackson? And you've listened and thought, eh, I understand now. I understand the, the art form behind it. Or at least I'm not the one here saying, how could you? How could you, Jackson? Or how could you, Rocky? Um, yeah, I, I don't know that I'm necessarily you know, going to go and get a, a, you know, a, a piece. Um, I do see the expression behind it, and I do see just the... Um, uniqueness and and definitely the 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 coolness behind it. Um, it it's a it's a very interesting thing. I the, the, I can say that with with wholeheartedness, and I can tell you that Rocky's an absolute pleasure uh, to deal with. If this is something that you are uh, interested in, I, I couldn't I couldn't imagine that you'll have a, a bad time working with uh, with Rocky because she's a she's a great person. So. If it's at all you're interested in, uh, Darker Art Studio, um, go check her out. She just said the website. It's also going to be in the show notes. Go check out her podcast, too. I'll link that as well. Uh, if you want to hear just a little bit more from her and uh, and have, uh, I guess, listen to her talk to, to quite a few interesting guests, too, recommend checking her out. Um, but, uh, yeah, go check us out, too, if this is your first time listening. Not Enough Podcast on Instagram. Um, there, you can also find us on, uh, jacksonup.com. You can, uh, go get on Apple, get on Spotify, give us those five stars. Always appreciate that. Um, write a review on Apple. That's even more awesome. Uh, but until next time, take it away, Chris. This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think, or hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.